So for those of you that weren't here last week, or for those of you that were, and a lot happened between then and now, last week we began a mini-series on roads. And we looked at the Eumaeus Road. So I would like one person to tell me their thing that they took away from last week. The Eumaeus Road. Motorway service station. (laughs) I knew that would be it. So basically, Sarah asked us what our favourite service station was. And you know what? We had a whole lot to say about it. There was lots of other stuff, but we did talk about service stations. But we talked about the fact that we need to find places to stop and reflect. Places to see the bigger picture and get a glimpse of who God is. And we also talked about us as a church being Eumaeus people. About us gathering together, sharing in the word, sharing in the breaking of bread. And sharing stories where we get to see more of who Jesus is. So this week, I need you to step back in time. Because the Eumaeus Road, where that happened after Jesus had died and risen on the cross, we're going to step back to before Jesus died and was risen on the cross. And we're going to join Jesus on the road to Jerusalem. So the road that he walks to the cross. And Jesus' hope that is on this road, people will gain a greater understanding of who he is and what he's about to do. So we're going to have our first reading. Thank you, Esther. <laughs> no, we, neither was I. <laughs> so this is Mark ten thirty-two to 34. Yeah. And they were on the road going up to Jerusalem, and Jesus was walking ahead of them. And they were amazed. And those who followed were afraid. And taking the twelve again, he began to tell them what had happened to him, saying, see... We are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death and deliver him over to the Gentiles, and they will mock him and spit on him and flog him and kill him and after three days he will rise thank you Esther that's certainly not an easy road to walk is it you may be wondering what on earth this picture behind me has got to do with it anybody know what it is it's a clip from a television program that I love which might surprise you Top Gear. I knew I'd have a fellow Top Gear supporter. This was the episode where they went to, and the country's gone out of my head. Matt, help me out. Bolivia, was it? Anyway, they went somewhere, and they were on this road, and actually, parts of this road were crazy and scary. But parts of this road were incredible and amazing. And we're going to see a bit of that today. We're going to have a whistle-stop tour of that road that Jesus made to Jerusalem. And it's going to be quick. So, firstly, I'd like, we're using the road as a metaphor for following Jesus. And I'd like to suggest that it's a road of revelation. So, if you were to look at this scripture that we've read, it's sat, in, it's sat within this wider journey to Jerusalem. 
And there's all sorts of people that are following Jesus. There's a whole load of children. There's a whole load of older people. There's some people there that know Jesus really well. There's some people that have never met him before, that have just heard about him and want to see what's going on. There's some people that are angry at what he's doing. Some people that have got questions. And they're all there on this journey with Jesus, trying to work out who he is. I think that is a beautiful image of the types of people that Jesus calls to follow him. He calls all sorts. He calls the young and the old. He calls those that know him well, those that don't know him at all. He calls those that have got questions, those that are angry. And actually that should be reflected in church. And no, if you fit into any of those categories today, and we'll all fit in some of them, know that you are welcome here. As they journeyed together, there were different emotions going on. Some people were amazed. Some were afraid. But I think there'll be a whole host of other things going on. Anger, questions, concerns. Maybe that's also reflected in church where they were in that moment of life and journeying with Jesus is a wonderful thing. Maybe actually you're just disappointed. Maybe you've got questions. They're all welcome here and they're all welcome as we journey on that road with Jesus. The part of the gospel reading that we've read today is where Jesus gathers his disciples and that's those that are closest to them, to him. And he tells them for the third time in a very short period of time about his death and his resurrection. I don't know about you, but that gives me great hope that even those that knew Jesus the most that followed him so closely, needed reminded, reminding again and again what it meant to follow him. I think that the road of revelation, this road that we walk with Jesus, doesn't end. I think whether we followed him faithfully all our lives, whether we've never followed him before, whether we're two or 92, there's always more that he wants to show us. And I think part of that can be through church. So when we come here and we share God's word and we share in communion, that's wonderful. But there's all the other stuff that's gathered around that the conversations that happen on the way in, the talks that we have as we eat cake, like we're going to eat later, all those times that we can share with people where we are in life, what God's doing, our life experiences. 
can help and encourage each other. Secondly, the road that Jesus walks is a road to the cross. It's a road to his own death. And it's a road that doesn't come as a surprise for Jesus. It's not like he walked around the corner and went, oh, I didn't see that coming. He knew very well what he was here for. For him, it was his vocation. It was the very reason that he was here. And we get this powerful image of Jesus walking ahead. That only happens one of the time in Scripture. Jesus is carrying the weight of the world on his shoulders. And he leads the way. It can be a challenge for us, can't it? Can we follow him? when it feels like we're carrying the weight of the world on our shoulders. Now, I know it's only just Christmas, and we're not at Easter yet, and the Anglican amongst us will know very well that it's still the Epiphany. I want us to pause for a moment and think about the cross, the very reason that Jesus came. Now, there's an element of it, that is about the fact that Jesus carried the weight of the world. And that means he was carrying our sin. The stuff that we get wrong, to put it simply. He was carrying our guilt that we feel for it. That makes us feel like we can't come to him. And there's an element of Jesus dying on the cross and saying, you're forgiven. No need to feel guilty anymore. You're all invited to come and know God. But I think it's a bit more than that. When Jesus died on the cross and was resurrected, he began a revolution. Because he changed the world then, but he also changes the world now. The very reason that God created humans people like me and you, was to reflect God's truth and light. And people, and perhaps people today, were just not doing a very good job of that. At the time, most of the world was dominated by the Roman Empire. And man, it was tough. It was about power and control and status It was a dog-eat-dog world. The rich got rich and the poor got poorer. Now, I'll leave you to make your own conclusions about whether that looks like that today. But as Jesus died on the cross and he was resurrected, he was pointing to a different empire, to a different kingdom. He was pointing people to God's kingdom, which wasn't about control, but about freedom. That wasn't about status, but the fact that everybody is equal. That was about service, sacrifice, and love. Something which just totally turned the world's understanding of power and authority on its head. It was a political statement. It subverted and challenged the community at that time. 
there's a wonderful man called N.T. Wright. I'm getting some nods. Some of you will know who he is, some of you won't. If you want to find out more about him, YouTube him, Google him. But he says this. He says that the challenge of the church is to continue the revolution that Jesus started. I'll say that again. The challenge of the church is to continue the revolution that Jesus started. We spent a bit of time over the summer looking at this subversive kingdom, looking at what it is that Jesus calls us to do and act that is so opposite to the world that we live in. He calls us to follow him. Mary Ann's going to come and read the second part of our scripture, which explains a little bit more of what that looks like. So this is from Mark 10, verses 35 to 45. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. What do you want me to do for you? he asked. They replied, let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in your glory. You don't know what you are asking, Jesus said. Can you drink the cup that I drink or be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, you will drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with. But to sit at my right or my left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. When the ten heard about this, they became indignant with James and John. Jesus called them together and said, You know that those who are regarded as, as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and the high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be, serve, to, to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Thank you, Marianne. So to continue the revolution that Jesus started, we need to follow Jesus. We need to walk that same road. And at times, that means sacrifice and suffering. At times it means subverting and challenging the systems in which we live. It'd be quite nice if we got to pick and choose what parts of following Jesus we wanted. His strength, his courage, his peace, his offer of an eternal life. How do we feel about the other stuff? that actually part of what we're called to do is sacrificial. That part of what we're called to do will mean that we suffer. Perhaps it's no wonder that those in today's passage felt fearful and some were astonished. We hear the response that Mary Ann has just written, um, read to us from James and John. Now, they're two of the disciples who followed Jesus, and they have heard time and time again Jesus talk about his death and resurrection. 
but they've just not quite got it. I think they probably see it as some almost picture, some illustration. You know, life's going to be tough, but it's all right, guys. We'll come out top on the end. Because they're waiting for somebody who's going to come and restore political power to their people. They're looking for somebody that's going to conquer the Romans and they want to be right there by his side, sharing in his glory when he does it. Where Jesus is on a march of suffering and death and he's wanting to glorify God, his father, and not himself. James and John turn to Jesus and they ask him to do whatever we want. They say, Jesus, will you do whatever we ask of you? They're in it for what they can get. Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes when I look at my prayer life, it can feel like a list of needs and wants. Maybe it feels a bit like being in it for what we can get. And actually, the heart of the Christian message isn't about what we can get. It's about what we can give. They turn to Jesus and they say to him that they want to share in his glory. They were focused on his, their glory and not his. I wonder if there's times in our lives and in our church where we focus on our goodness. Do we give him the glory? Do we acknowledge him for all that he's done? Because the greatest act of giving and the greatest act of glory is seen when Jesus dies on the cross. And then there's also this incredible thing. There's so much to say, but I can't. And so I'm going to begin to wrap up. But there's something there about when we live a sacrificial life. When we suffer, it can be used in such an incredible way for good. In a way that only God can do in a way that kind of gives glimpses of where God might be, that people recognise some strength or faith or trust in somebody. The final image that we're left with in the passage that Marianne read was Jesus calling those who follow him to be last and not first, not to fight for power and position, not to put others before ourselves. So we're called to continue this life with Jesus, a life where we always learn more, a life which means walking that life toward that path towards a cross, which can contain suffering and sacrifice. But it's also about living a life that is subversive, that challenges the systems of our time. And I guess our hope is that as we do that, people will get a glimpse of God. 
that we will continue the revolution that Jesus started. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you that you call us to walk the road with you. And we pray that you would help us to do that. Lord, that we would come to you with our hopes and our excitements and our joys, but also our questions and our frustrations. Lord, we thank you for the power of the cross and for all that it means. And we pray, Lord, that you would give us a better understanding of that. We pray, Lord God, that you would help us to continue the revolution that you started. That through our lives, as at times we walk a life that's sacrificial, a life in which we suffer, a life that is so opposite to the world we live in, we just pray that others would get a glimpse of who you are. Amen.